What's going on, Miss Fans? Another week, another episode. That's right, three in a row. 2018, I promised that I was going to have an episode out every single week, and I am outdoing myself. Okay, give me a prize or something. No, but seriously, this week's episode is really fun. I'm joined by my dear friend, actor, comedian, writer, photographer, list goes on. I just call him Renaissance Man, Alzo Slade. Um, we talk about so many different things. I mean, it's interesting because Alzo really isn't big on social media. So I had to wait dumb long for him to have a post that we could actually talk about in this episode. But um, we do talk about it. And basically, he gives his expertise on how to push through self-doubt, um, the lost art of philosophy. That's right. You know, we need some good philosophizers in this life of ours because times is hard. Also, what does your home say about you and when is a good time for women to beat a man up? I'm all for it. I mean, but within the, listen, I mean, it explains itself. It sounds crazy right now, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and also, if you are new to the podcast, thank you for listening. And if you have been with me for a while, thank you for coming back. My goal this year, and I say it, I'm going to keep saying it, positive affirmation, reinformation, universe, and all that jazz, that I want to make this podcast really big. Um, and so I need your help. I need your help. I need you to share it, like it, tweet it, um, repost it on Instagram, tell a friend to tell a friend, comment, review, share it, all that jazz, and leave some comments so you know we can talk and let me know what you like and what you don't like. I mean, I'm sure you don't want to keep hearing me every week talking about how you can help make this podcast bigger. Like, I don't want to be the Sally Struthers or Jerry Lewis out this bitch. So like, help me help myself. Um, <laughs> and also, you can join my mailing list. It's on my website and it'll be in the description of this episode. Help me be great. I want to make you great. Make me great. Let's do this together. We got this every weekend. We could be friends. You're listening to Social Misfit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Social Misfit with me, your host, Chloe Hilliard. And today we are joined on my couch by none other than the black renaissance i can't even say it right the black <laughs> renaissance man uh brooklyn's most eligible bachelor whoa the co-founder of grits and biscuits former photographer i still shoot educator um southern gentleman what else you want me to say Nothing. I ain't ask you to say all that. Comedian and writer and actor, Alzo Slade. What's up, Cloak? What's up? Chilling. Y'all, you see your whole, you pronounce each syllable of your last name just now. You say Hilliard. Hilliard. Yeah, I normally don't. I mean, because I don't know. Is that how I'm supposed to say it? Chloe Hilliard. I say Hilliard. Hilliard, yeah. People do that. Um, You can pronounce it both ways. There's an I after the L, the second L, so I've always just thought it was Hilliard. 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 It's probably Hilliard. Ike Hilliard. That was a football player. That's the only way I could tell some people my last name. They'd be like, you know, like Ike Hilliard? And they'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, we ain't <laughs> played that long. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Glad Alzo, to be here. Alzo and I have been friends for several years. Yep. About four. About four. About that, yeah. Yeah. This is Alzo's first time in my house ever. Yeah, it's a nice place. It's thoroughly impressed by my taste. Ooh, thoroughly is a bit ambitious. <laughs> <but> <laughs> impressed, yes. You know what's so funny? You don't think about what your aesthetic is until somebody else comes into your space. Do you ever realize that? Yeah. Like I, I don't just... really have people in my space a lot. But when they do come, they, they'll walk in and they'll be like, Oh, this looks like what your place would look like. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, what it, does that mean? Because we don't, I think, especially in New York City, we don't really value the importance of the home as a reflection of who you are because we, uh, we don't have people come over. You know what I mean? Right. But in Southern culture where you're from, people come, people stop by. Right. They do the stop by. Unannounced. Unannounced. Ding yeah. dong. Hey, what's this <laughs> in the neighborhood? And you just let them in. Right. So you're always, people are always seeing what your aesthetic is. And I think it's even more interesting in New York City because if you don't see people's aesthetic, you kind of really don't get a full feeling of who they are. But we still going to judge. I mean, you can judge, but think about it like this. You and I have been friends for this long and you you know who I am as a person. Yes. That's because we've had so many conversations, conversations and right. interactions and right. we've done things together. Right. 
you know, um, experiences and all that stuff. So you get a feeling. But if you hadn't known me for four years and you came over to my house, maybe like six months into knowing me, you would probably have a good feeling of who I was just as much. No, it just, like looking around here, I would not know as much as I know about you <laughs> without having those conversations. What do you I mean, think? I can I can look at some of these photos and like when I come into somebody's house, like I look at what movie collection they got, what books they have, mm-hmm. the pictures on the wall, because that mm-hmm. says a lot, you yeah. know. Like this this girl a long time ago. I went to her crib. It was like a little get together. I if it was a friend of a friend who invited me. And I went to her house. This girl was she was pretty, she was fine. And this is when I was in my like early twenties. And I went to her house. She very successful. She had her own place. And she had at least fifteen to twenty uh Disney movies. No. Yes. I was like, mm. <sighs> see that right there? Yeah. <laughs> I never liked Disney, so I don't have it. I actually don't have any movies in my house. And my books are in the other room. So but you got a rotary dial telephone. I do. Let me tell you, I found it on the street. I found it on the street. That phone got bed bugs. No, 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 no. I cleaned it. I thoroughly yeah. dis. I you thoroughly clean? you disinfected, disinfected it. a rotary dial. I thoroughly phone. disinfected it. Thoroughly disinfected it. Thoroughly disinfected it. And I thought it was a cute aesthetic. And I brought it home and I cleaned it thoroughly. And when I had a house landline, I actually used it. And the ringer is classic like that's the ring that wakes you up out of your sleep <laughs> right yeah. right shock you in your bones oh it. yeah real bells yeah, i remember them rotary dial phones you get to the last digit in the phone number and it's wrong oh yeah you gotta do it all, over, do again. It all over again and the great thing about that phone is yeah it's heavy it has a heavy handle like it's a real rotary phone um the only thing is you can click over like call waiting so oh that was the only thing yeah that phone heavy that's why in movies folks be getting slapped upside the, the head with the phone yeah People like, getting knocked, knocked out with out. rotary dial phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody getting knocked out with no cell phone. Mm-mm. No, I don't even have a house phone now. I just have a, a cell phone. Um, okay, Alzo, please read us your social media post. This this is me being a misfit. This is the entry into figuring out how much so, of a misfit you are. Uh, how much of a what? Misfit you are. Oh. We're all misfits. Not me. We'll get into it. It says, uh, continue to do the work you've been doing. Start doing the work you should have started. Otherwise, they've won twice. Okay. And you came up with that? Man, what? that was right after the uh, after Trump got elected. Uh-huh. Because I was pissed. Mm-hmm. But, like, almost to the point to where I was, like, debilitated. Like, I ain't want to do nothing. Yeah, same. But then I was like, yo, you you got you got about five minutes to be pissed, to be sad, mm-hmm. to wallow in this misery, and you got to get to work, Jack. Cause, yeah. Because we had eight years of just we was kind of just coasting. Yeah, just chilling. And in them eight years, I'm like, oh yeah, one day I'm gonna do this. I got this project I want to do. I got this show I want to write. I got this, you know, this class I want to teach or this class I want to take or all that and. When that fool got elected, I was like, Doc, time is precious. Mm-hmm. You got to get to work. All this stuff you talked about you should have, would have, could have done, you need to do. Yeah. You know? So that's where that came from. I agree. That's not that miss. That's not that miss. No, stop trying, to, stop trying to solve everything. Just flow with it. I ain't trying to solve nothing. Yeah, you because you like to get to, you like results really fast. You're impatient. Just sit Who in the moment. We're going to have a conversation. Who impatient? You are. So what were some of the things that you were telling yourself back then during the Obama years that kept you kind of stagnant? What was I telling myself? Yeah. Um, You know, and as I said, like there's stuff that I, you know, just put off. Like even in the, my craft of comedy, like I'd say I want to, you know, there's this show I want to write. There's this... um like people I want to meet and in order to facilitate projects that I want to start. And that's what I was saying during them eight years, or especially like the last four years of Obama's joint, like his second term. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, when a boy got elected, 
a lot of the things that I wanted to do, I thought would be effective for my community. Oh yeah, that's right. Because you, you know? when I met you, you were working on a project about health awareness. Yeah. 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 And um, I was I was working. It's it's actually going pretty well. Actually, mm-hmm. I um, I switched it instead of health so much as political and social issues because I think both of them are important, obviously, but um. My thing is, right now, presently, the social issues to me need to be explained. But I feel like health, too, because we're losing health insurance, health care, and people, you know, are we about to get to the age of Little House on a Prairie where everybody's doing homeopathic remedies because yeah. they can't afford these expensive-ass fabricated nah, medicines? Nah, that's real. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't forsaken the health stuff for the social stuff. I've just added it. Okay. The social stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about that green life. I can't wait so I can get like a little like patch of dirt and like plant some stuff and get these herbal remedies popping. Uh, it's wintertime in New York City right now. I'm waiting until I, you know, can relocate to a place that has sun. Well, planes go to those places every day. I know. But I mean, I'm not going to just get a plane ticket and go there and just, you know, plant a seed and come back. I got to like really move, move. But I'm also on the fence about that, too. I just had a thought about it today. <laughs> I have been, you know, I was in L.A., womp, womp, whatever. And I was like, I really like it. And then now that I've been back home for a while, it's like there's some value to being in New York. So I really think I need to focus on being by bi- like for real bi-coastal. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Bi-coastal is the move. Like you like. But. Where are you going? Where are you going to be rooted? Um, I think. Like where where are you going? Where are you going? You gonna take your car to LA or you gonna leave it here? I'm gonna have to take my car to LA because about the amount of money that I would spend on renting a car for an extended period of time, I might as well just ship my car out there, ship it there and ship it back. Yeah, like it's a thousand dollars to ship your car allegedly. Like I think that's the average. No, it is. I've done it. It's thousand dollars to ship your car twice. Yeah. Where'd you ship it the first time? To um, I had. One from L.A. to New York and the other one from Texas to New York. Oh, so two different cars. Two different cars, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so $1,000 to ship your car. And then if you rent a car in L.A. plus getting insurance on that car, which you should always do. I don't care if you have insurance. Unless unless you have insurance on for yourself and you get a car rental for like a short period of time, like uh, less than a week, then use your car insurance. But if not, Get some sort of insurance on that car with that company because you never know what can happen. I know well, on a rental car. Rental. Yeah, on a rental car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if you don't have your own car insurance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. people I know who have totaled cars. Oh, man, I hit a deer one time in a, in a van that I rented. And you didn't get insurance and on then, it? And then, but it was, was crazy. This was when I was in college. I ain't had no credit card. My homegirl had a credit card, so we rented the joint in her name. She wasn't even on the trip. Oh yeah, you fucked up. Bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how much was the damage? Ooh, about three thousand. Mm hmm. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, well, an associate who totaled a car, didn't get the insurance, and then had to get their parent to act like their lawyer and go through litigation with the trade with the ins- with the insurance in the rental car company. So wait, she had it. to get her parents to act like lawyers. What yeah. does that mean? Well, like her parents they showed up. To, they showed up to the courthouse in a suit with a briefcase. No, they just like in communication. Like I'm her lawyer. I'm representing her, and she's not paying for the total. Because you know, whenever you crash a car or you total a rental car, it doesn't matter how many miles is on it. They charge you for the total value of the car, brand new. So what did she end up having to pay? She had to. She ended up paying a reduced amount and did payment plans, but they were trying to come for her neck. But just get that fucking insurance, man. Yeah, that's real. That's real. It's much easier. So yeah, by the time you factor in uh, rental car insurance, you might as well just take your you, own car out there. Because you, know, you know, black folk too. We'll rent a car, no insurance, and then have somebody else driving it that ain't no even yep. on, the, on the joint. Yep. Yep. I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so that's about the whole buy coast of life. I think I'm open to it. If I can manage it, then I, I'll definitely will do it. What about you? You've been in L.A. Yeah, I went to grad school in L.A. What? Okay, so you are from Texas? Born in Mississippi, raised in Florida and Texas. Born in Mississippi. Ooh, Mississippi. 
born in Mississippi, raised in Florida and Texas, mm-hmm. lived in LA, now lives in New York for the past 10 years. Past 13 years. 13 years. Mm-hmm. Which city makes you the most productive? Uh, Pull your mic up to your face. I mean, I've been in New York for the past 13 years, so it's really, this is the longest I've ever lived in one place mm-hmm. in my life, and I've gotten quite a bit done yeah. since I've been here. I think I think L.A., I was productive because I was there for three years, and two out of those three years, I was in graduate school, so you ain't got no choice but to oh, yeah. handle your That's business when, you, when you're in the womb of academia. But it'll be interesting if I make the move back to L.A. because it's it's easy to be lazy out there. They definitely have a different work ethic. Yeah. They are very laissez-faire, very, it can get done tomorrow. Yeah. And once they start working, they start, like, there's, unless they work in, like, the entertainment field, really, which everybody damn near does, there's not a lot of, like, checking emails at night and all that yeah. other stuff. They, they, they power down. Yeah. And I feel like in New York, I feel like it's just as many lazy people in New York, but they don't show that they're lazy. They just they talk a good they game. They talk a good game, and you feel like oh. you feel like everybody in New York is hustling and grinding way more than you. So that makes you want to hustle and grind, even even if they ain't doing nothing. They Let me just, tell you something. There's this woman. She has a following on social media, and I do not like her because of something she did a long ass time ago. I used to work for i think it was vibe magazine either vibe or source but i was working at vibe or source magazine can't remember which one and we were having a party and she was a friend of a friend she's not my friend i think i might have met her like once like on occasion like hey and hi nice to meet you mm-hmm. and so of course the party was popping they weren't letting nobody else in the door and she's at the front door like i'm on chloe's list i'm her guest she invited me to the point where they had to come upstairs, <laughs> like security came upstairs and was like, Chloe, there's somebody down at the door who says that they are your guest, like you told them to yeah, come. Yeah, and yeah. I said, who? And they told me, I said, absolutely not. The nerve, the nerve of Why you to you do that. Why let her get, come in there? Because she was causing a scene at the front door to the point where if she was my guest, I, she would have been out of pocket anyway. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And your guest wouldn't have done nothing like Never, that. Never. Because my guest would have had my phone number and would have called me and said, hey, girl, I'm downstairs. I'd have been that. I'd have been that guest. I'd have been. I ain't calling. I'm on Chloe list. Yeah, but we wasn't We wasn't friends like Look. that. So that was a fabrication. And so then she finally gets into the party because, you know, as soon as, you know, no doors shut forever. So as soon as they start letting people back in, she comes in and it avoids me like she didn't cause a scene. Like didn't even come up to me like, hey, girl, I'm sorry I did all of that. But, you know, I was just trying to get in the party. Like if she had done that, I would have been respect to her. She, but, you ain't, but she didn't get in because of you. Why she got to come holler at you? She didn't have to come holler. But she knows that I know that they can because they literally she was was like oh yeah they yeah, literally yeah. came to me and was yeah. like she said come to you and see about her getting in the party and um and i never really liked her i never i didn't respect her for that i didn't respect her for that and new york is a lot of that it's a lot of people who move and shake and then you finally find somebody that knows them and be like so-and-so work for so-and-so right they be like that person ain't got no job they don't be doing nothing right no nah, that's real that's like when I first met you, I was like, what does he do? Because I've never heard of you. And everybody seems to know you. I, everybody. I still don't be doing that. Everybody knows I was those like. I ain't do. I, I was at the crib all day. I ain't doing that. Yeah, I was at the crib all day too, but I, I've been doing stuff. Um, Talk about Grits and Biscuits. Because how, how has that changed in the post-Trump world? The the party scene for black millennials and, and movers and shakers. Uh, and a time of racism reemergence in America. Yeah, man, it's, it's interesting because, uh, like, well, listen real quick. Grits and biscuits is a. Um, how do you explain it? Is a southern. Yeah, grits and biscuits is is a dance party with nothing but southern hip hop. How long has it been going? Seven and a half years. Seven and a half. So right after Obama, right after Obama, yeah, popped off. It was like yeah, we started July twenty ten. So let's. He was like two years in, two black years president. In. Let's get it popping. Yeah, well, okay. we were we were just. We were just kind of tired of going to one of two parties in New York. Either it's the club club, mm-hmm. where it's the velvet rope and yeah. bottle popping and sparklers and all that coming out of champagne and table service, all that. Or the super duper bohemian, like yeah. 
granola parties, mm-hmm. which is fine. But every once in a while, you need to just yeah get loose and yeah. shake something. And so rub we, up on rub up on the thing. You know what I'm saying? Back that thing up like a dump truck. <laughs> beep beep. So we we just created a party we wanted to go to, and uh, who else? Who knew that other folk wanted to go to it as well? So yeah, that's how it started. No dress code, no VIP, no bottle service. All that, and you wear heels. You wear heels if you want to. Yeah, no, definitely don't wear on heels. On scrag, your toes is gonna be crunchy by the end of the night. Yeah, this is not. This is not a be cute. I mean, it's be cute, but don't be too cute. Yeah, don't get your hair done the day of the party. <sighs> yeah, no, those ponytails, t-shirts. Those are the only Jeans. parties I. Your parties the only parties I've actually been to. But I, I'm weird. Like I can't really allow myself to just let loose and have fun like that. That's because like, you square. <laughs> you think I'm square? Nah, there was just an opening for. But I think I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's age or no. That's not true. Because even when I was going to like all the big parties in New York City, like in college and fresh out of college, like all the Black Diamonds parties and all that stuff, I still was like. I would dance and have fun, but I was still kind of like play the side and just watch stuff. Cause yeah, I'm, you one of them. You one of them folks. I kind. I'm kind of like that. I'm uh, an observer. Yeah, observe. People watch. Yeah, because you got to be on a anthropological experiment. You got to be on a lookout for things. Things be happening. Yeah, but you be you safe at our party. No, yeah, you are safe. Um, okay, so tell me, how has it changed in the in the Trump era, the grits and biscuits movement? I think in uh. In the Obama era, folks would come out to party to, to celebrate because we was just in a happy place. Now that Trump in office, folks still come out to party, but we out here trying to relieve our stress. Mm-hmm. You know, we like, we need to get this funk up off us, this Trump funk. And so we come together and unite. And even, I even got parts of the, the party where I, I uh, get the crowd to yell, fuck Donald Trump about three times, four times in a row to the, <laughs> to the music. And we be doing this, doing parties down in North Carolina, all that. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can curse on your podcast, right? Yeah, you can curse. You can curse on a podcast. Okay, so what? So you are an educator. You teach philosophy. Yeah. You're a very well versed man. I don't want to keep hyping you up. I mean, you cool, but you ain't. You know, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Um. So how do you motivate people to, like you said in your social media posts, to not be their own worst enemy? Because it's one thing to have somebody tell you no, and there's another thing to tell yourself no, or that you can't do it. So how do you motivate and inspire, like, your students? Oh, well, my for one, my students are adults. Like, mm-hmm. like this is an adult campus. And my class is a philosophy class, but it's basically just critical thinking, right? Like, I get them to ask themselves why do they do what they do, think the way they think, believe what they believe, um, wear what they wear, laugh at what they laugh at, and I do that through them reading a bunch of dead white dudes. You know? Why 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 I be all dead white dudes? You can't there's no black. It's a college of, it's a college of New Rochelle, so their curriculum is pretty much set and you can you can remix it a little bit. So who's your favorite black philosopher? <sighs> favorite black philosopher? Mm, probably Elaine Locke, mm-hmm. James Baldwin, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those aren't uh, Elaine Locke would, is the only like academic, yeah, technical, technical philosopher. philosopher yeah. But like philosophy just means love of wisdom. So if you if you a lifelong student that wants to learn about yourself and the world, then you technically are a philosopher. I'm a philosopher. Then. Oh, you absolutely a philosopher. I yeah. wouldn't be sitting here if you wasn't. Really. Absolutely, I won't be. I won't be really rocking with people that aren't critical thinkers, yo. Yeah, but you know what though? You're a critical thinker, but you also are not. You hold back a lot, like of how you think about things. It takes a lot for you to have a conversation with somebody. What you mean? I hold back a lot. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna be at at the counter at the restaurant. Like, I know you're not gonna do about that. Emmanuel Kant's transcendental aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just but saying, Heidegger, you know I'm saying, mean? especially like in our community, you know, where there's opportunities for you to philosophize and help people. What do you mean? What community? The black comedian community. The black comedian community? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do it one on one. Yeah. But like when we at the diner after a show. Yeah, but there's, there's little pockets for philosophy. I'll be, I be dropping shit in the diner. 
What you be dropping? I be listen. You don't. How many times I've gotten the crew to to think constructively about things? Do you understand that I and I'm taking full credit? You can ask all of them: Derek Monroe, Reggie, Dave, all of them. Minuin. I single handedly encouraged them way before all of this sexual assault shit to 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 reconfigure how they view women and how they approach women. And they also need to stand up and speak on behalf of women who are their allies. Because a lot of times, especially black men. Because, yeah, we're going down this road. Black men have the tendency to not speak up on behalf of their sisters in a space when their voice carries more weight. Because black men don't want to admit that their voice carries more weight because black men have this pathology that they, too, are victims. And what spaces are you speaking of? Any space. Any space. So you feel like black men don't speak up for black women in any space? Most spaces they do not know. This is very uh, this is very abstract. Like I understand the theory, but I'm just trying to. Okay, so if you're in, okay, so if you are in a meeting with a network and they're talking about a project, and you are brought in to consult and maybe write or produce on the show, right? Mm -hmm. And you throw out names of women who you think are good and will be a good fit right. both in the writer's right. room or in front of the camera, whatever. And they're throwing out a list of names and the name stumbles upon a black woman and they hit you with the, mm, ah, I don't know. Uh. Are you going to be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Or are you going to be like, no, this is a good person. You really need to look at them. I don't know why you him and harm, but this person has all the same credentials. Oh, I mean, that you- I mean, obviously in this setting, in this conversation, I'd like to think that I would say, that I got would stand up for. But to your point, um, in the situation, like if I'm completely honest, I don't, I don't know. Like I want, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would, you know, especially, especially if she was top notch, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like if she was, uh, if she had the credentials and, and definitely could do, I actually, I've done that. Yeah. I th- I, I've done that on uh, a couple times. I've done like when people have asked like shows that I've been on, like, um, yeah, I brought up, I brought up black comics a few times. Yeah, but even even if it's socially, even if it's just like as a black man remembering to introduce a woman in a social setting, that carries so much weight. You know what I'm saying? Like if you went to me, if you went with me to a yeah. uh, an, uh, an event mm-hmm. or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely cognizant of that. But that I'm cognizant of that um, for just human respect reasons. Yeah. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I think I think that I think that um, men in general, and I want just limit it to black men. I think men in general have the luxury of being way more self-centered and self-absorbed than women do because women are taught to be nurturers and and generous with their time. You know what I'm saying? So when you're in those situations, a woman is like, like how I am, you know, how I, especially how I am. If I'm in a situation, it's supposed to be a social setting. I'm still trying to figure out a way. How can I work? How can I help? How can I make it better? Right. And men don't have that thought process. And so if you're in a situation socially, you're just there like I'm just going to a I'm going to a party. I'm going to a party. I'm having fun. I'm kicking it. And whereas it's like, well, you're kicking it, you're having fun, but the people who invited you to, to the party are movers and shakers and gatekeepers yeah, who have Yeah, but I think that's the, you. I don't think that's just that's women in general. I think that's specific to you, Chloe well, Hilliard. Okay. <laughs> I know it's specific to me, but I'm just saying that I feel like women are more inclined to be like, let me introduce you versus men who are just like, I just came to a party. We had a party. Mm. I may have to agree to disagree. No, let's disagree. No, that's what I said. No, like we keep the disagreement going. But what I like, I don't I can't relate to that because I'm not that dude. Yeah, I know. But as a philosopher. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking about how with regard to men being Having the luxury of being more self-absorbed? Yes. I would agree with that. Thank you. I would agree with that. Um, in the way that you're speaking. But then women, I I don't know, know if it's a luxury or not, but then self-absorbed in terms of 
vanity, women are allowed much more leeway than men. What to be to to be vain? Yeah, yeah, because you also got to realize that that's put upon us because women are taught that their vanity is an attribute to success. You know, I look crazy every day. I I look crazy right now. I look crazy every. <laughs> we could day. agree on that. I got on no, I'm some I'm some joking. some thermal leggings, a, a a gray sweatshirt. My hair, my roots are showing. My grays are showing. I know it's bad. It's because you're too far. (laughs) I walk around my neighborhood walking my dog. I had on Crocs today outside. I look fucking bananas, okay? But when I go out, I got to step it up. I can't be on a stage looking nuts. That's not, it's not charming for a woman to be on, on stage with a spot on her shirt talking about how, you know, fucked up their life is like that's not something that we are we're not allowed that and even if a woman is you look at like amy schumer if she's on stage talking about how much of a mess she is she still got on a motherfucking dress and heels because people place value on women's vanity so you're saying you're saying it's a cultural construct to where women have been brainwashed into into feeling good about being vain yeah yeah just look at, and it's, look at and it, it, but there's there. So you don't you don't think women women authentically feel good about celebrating the way that they look. I think to a point, it's the difference of being like, okay, I am twenty pounds overweight, but I'm still cute, and my is gonna have to deal with it, and I'm gonna know how to dress for my body and my shape, and you know my my natural hair is nice and curly. I'm gonna just make sure my afro is popping. This is my beauty within my natural range. I think there's a difference of being beautiful within your natural range of beauty, and there's a difference of being beautiful past your natural range. But no, that's not what I'm saying. There are women out there that will say 100 that they they want to look good for them. Not a man and not anyone else. Yep, that I get. And yes. Do you, do you, so you feel like that is a symptom of... No, I'm saying that the, the definition of that beauty, I think there's beauty within your natural range, which is what you are naturally capable of, of achieving... But with, what does that define? How do you define that, though? What, what, what I'm saying that based is on? that based on... That's like without without additional hair, plastic surgery, you get what I'm saying, filters... That's what I'm saying. I think outside of that realm. Do you put makeup in that? No, I think makeup is within a natural range. I think makeup is with, within so natural range. Between makeup make- and cosmetic surgery are two different things. Me being like, I'm 20 pounds overweight, but I'm just going to dress cute and camouflage my little fupa is different from me being like, I'm getting liposuction, which I probably will get liposuction or something. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get that money. Um, you know what's so funny, though? I, I've been talking about openly about getting liposuction and... I am not 100% sold on it, but the reason why I'm not 100% sold on it is because I feel like I feel like my luck, the day I go and get liposuction, like a civil war will break out the next day and then I'm fucked. I can't go nowhere. I can't run. What is you talking about? <laughs> it's like the walking dead where he w- wakes up from being sick and there's nothing but zombies. You know what I'm saying? So that was, that's the only reason you would not get liposuction is your fear of not being, being able to fight the next day? Yeah. not Being incapacitated. I don't want to be helpless. How, how long? How long are you in that space after you get liposuction? Lipo was like like six to ten weeks of being not a hundred percent. Six to ten weeks. I mean, you up and walking, but like you still have scars. Your, your body has to heal. You can't really overexert yourself because the tears. You know when you get lipo, they cut what? into your, Two they, and cu- a half months. they cut into your body, right? They suck the fat out, but then they have to leave holes in your body to let the extra fluid from the surgery flow out. So you're walking around with pouches collecting the fluid. What kind of fluid? Like, you know, when you when you get like a sore, your body creates the fluid to heal it and repair itself. Like pus? Not pus, but like liquid. Like like when you get like you know, you get like a little like a little um like a little boil and you've got to pop it in this water. I don't know nothing about that. You never had like whatever um but yeah so you got to drain you have to drain your pouches so you and get liposuction or not you get liposuction or, or not nah. <laughs> um you know what Let me get i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know i right now i say probably not you should you should just you, we should just 
wish since they stayed here. That'd have been your liposuction. Let me tell you, listen, y'all. I talked about it. I did an hour. I so, um, ladies and gentlemen, I did an hour recently in New York City's Gotham Comedy Club. I taped it for me, but I think I'm gonna like release some clips for people to see. So if you follow me, go to my um, my website, join my mailing list, and Yo, I'm gonna email how you gonna out. Put a commercial in the middle of the because conversation. I'm my own boss. Oh my god! Um, so follow my mailing list, and one of the jokes I did. See how I bring it back to you. One of the jokes I did was about how Alzo encouraged me to join his self defense boxing class, which is taught by a sensei, black sensei. But you just said on the stage, you was just like a friend of mine encouraged me to to take a class. No, I talk about the class. Do you? I talk about the class. Would you want me to say your name on stage? No, that's what I'm. You said like Alzo told me. No, no, I'm saying it for the podcast, but oh. on stage, I just said a friend. Like I, no, I was saying that would have been weird. Oh, you know what? I do that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do that. But I just said a friend of mine encouraged me to take self-defense class, which was taught in a mosque. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the joke. Uh, and then I go into it more. But this class was in fucking credible. And so now what I do on stage is I show women the how to get out of the chokehold. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah, I do that. What, with the mic stand? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Like, you know, if you're getting choked, you got to take a step back and lunge down low. Oh, yeah. Pull them off their center of gravity. Use your two free arms to break their arms free or hit them in the nuts or hit them in you the chest. You do all that on stage? I sure do because I'm trying to save women's lives from these sexual predators, my since, nigga. Since they, I'm not your nigga. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, that's what we should have started with. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to teach these girls how to get out of these fucking chokeholds. It's important. Nah, it's real. All of, all of the, like, a lot of women that are close to me, I'll be like, eyes, throat, growing. I miss that class so much. I wish, you know, I did think that, because I am a conspiracy theorist, I was like, what if, what if, because you know he stopped teaching the class right around election time. No, so, he didn't. Yeah, last November. It ended a lot long ago. It it was, trust me. Um, so imagine what if he stopped the class because the Russians were paying him to teach this class and then they stopped paying him and then he left. Because you know there's a story about how Russians were funding self-defense classes in black communities to get white people worked up about black people learning self-defense to get white people to get yeah, more guns. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's antithetical to what you just said, though. What do you mean? To your theory. No, I'm saying. you were saying the Russians pay him to stop teaching. No, what if, what if the, they stop paying? the real paying, story is the no, Russians. No, what if they were, stopped paying him and then he was like, all right, I'm not going to do this class anymore because I'm not getting paid anymore by the Russians. But he had been teaching that class for a long time for years i know but the russians years. Been, russia's been doing this shit for years too i feel like your your theory is swiss cheese i'm just saying what if what if all right okay what if then what so where are we going to learn self-defense at now i feel like you should teach it no why not i do i do i could do the conditioning part Nah, B, it's the moves. The moves, how to get out. Yeah, but... I used to fuck you up in class. I did. Admit it. I got you a couple times. Chloe, you never got me (laughs) Are you kidding me? You're bugging right now. I got you a couple couple times. I got the win out of you. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I was was just being respectful. Oh, here we go. Here we go. You was holding back because I'm a woman. Southern gentleman. No, B, there was times and I got you good. No. Definitely. I'm like, I Chloe got to be on stage tomorrow Come night. Come on now, you So I do not lying. want her you eye all lying. swole you up, lying. popping you out lying. her head. There was times I got you good. You would have been on stage. No, no, and no. then you'd have been at the diner. And then all mm-hmm. our fellow comics would have been like, mm-hmm. yo, mm-hmm. where is he? We're going to roll on that fool. Because I'm a, he hit you in the, in the face. Because I'm a supportive woman. I'm going to let you have this story. Because I don't want to deduct from your masculinity Mm-mm. however masculinity there was there 100%. was occasions <laughs> there was occasions when i definitely got you good no come on now and plus you ain't win i said got you good i no, didn't say when. You said when at first you was i like, said you, i used you, to i used to fuck you up yeah but that's that's a different than gotcha yeah but fuck the, you up don't mean totality it means no, fuck you up no fuck you up no fuck you up means you done like if if you if you like in school, if you wasn't there and then somebody was like, yo, somebody fucked Tony up, you know Tony was done. He got his ass whooped. Let's be real. 
you got to be with me on this one, Chloe. You, hey. Okay. Yes. So maybe the the episode name should be "You Got Fucked Up." <laughs> <laughs> you got me fucked up. <laughs> so what is your plan in the post-Trump America? How are you going to win? How are you going to succeed? We're doing it right now. We're having substantive conversations with like-minded individuals, planning to educate those who need educated and learn from those whom we can learn from so we can continue to grow, my sister. So are snap, you- Snap, snap, burn that sage over there. Oh uh, Yeah, I'm going to burn it later. Um, Sage smells terrible. You don't like sage? No. Do you like Santo Palo? What? The wood. The wood. The wood. Palo Santo. I always mess it up. Oh, oh. Uh, I, I don't remember what that smells like. All right, I'll burn it for you. No, I'm good. Later, and you can smell it. Um, Damn, I was about to say something. Ooh, your dog need an asthma pump. I don't know why she's hot, because it's not hot in here. A dog need a ventilator. <laughs> um, I was about to say something. Damn, what was it? Oh... It probably was good, too. It was about, oh, you said we're doing it right now. Okay, so it is really good. So I'm going to have. I'll be the judge of that. So I'm going to have the subject of this little tangent that I'm bringing up on the podcast soon. His name is Dante Nero. Um, oh, that's that that podcast is going to be live. Okay, so. stay on 10. <laughs> so Dante Nero is a comedian, actor, uh, born and raised in New York City. Amazing life story. Now so you talk about, on. I ain't no renaissance man compared to that fool. No, he just had a lot of past lives. You are a renaissance man. Um, We're going to get back to you. So, and this is an indirect little tangent into you. So, if you aren't familiar with Dante Nero, he's a comedian. He has a podcast called The Beige Phillips Show. He's Beige Phillips Show. He's a good dude. Great dude. He does a lot of life and relationship coaching. And he indirectly was a catalyst for a cornerstone of the new alt-right movement called the Proud Boys. Are you familiar with the Proud Boys? I am not. So the Proud Boys. That sounds like a good story, though. So the Proud Boys is an, is an offshoot of the alt-right. And pretty much they just kind of blur the lines where they, they are anti-immigration. They're pro-white supremacy. No, they don't say white supremacy. They mask it. They say Western supremacy, Western civilization supremacy, white supremacy. Um, they are for the for marriage and procreation. So they're like anti-abortion. They're all about like the white man being strong and taking his balls back and you know, getting married, and procreating. And so one of the things that they don't, they as a cornerstone, which comes from Dante who's a black man. Um, and you should listen to the story because all things considered NPR did a podcast about it. And he is a subject of the podcast. Dante is Dante is. Uh -huh, that's yeah. dope. So um, all things considered, look it up, Dante Nero, Google it. And so one of the things that Dante introduced to this group, which eventually turned into this, you know, offshoot of a hate group um, is that they don't do any masturbation. They don't masturbate except for once a month. And that what? once a month masturbation on the same day. No, not the same day. Whatever they choose their day, they choose their day to masturbate. Um, and that masturbation can only be done in the company of a woman. And basically, that is to Dante's theory is to make sure that men are not shooting their shot by themselves, and it encourages them. It forces them to go out and be proactive and meet women and date and pursue versus just jerking off at home. Okay. So, how's your love life? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that wasn't the real question. So, I was about to say that. So, the reason why I brought that up is because you said we're doing it now. I said, what are you doing now in a post-Trump America? What are you doing mm. now? And you were talking about, you know, sitting and talking or whatever. But, yeah. but to bring in that point, it's like, well, where does procreation in the black community fall? Like, how, like a part of it is creating this dialogue and this conversation, but a part of it, I feel like building our community is 
encouraging healthy relationships and procreation the same way that white people go on super hard about being anti-abortion and bringing their numbers up even though they still got the largest numbers like in the hispanic community their numbers are growing larger than ours white people are not the only folks that are anti-abortion who white people aren't the only people that are anti-abortion. no i know i'm not saying that but the reason but the motivation for white people being anti-abortion is because they're trying to keep their numbers up that's the real reason that whole why, why do you make that assumption because i mean i i'd say i could see from the, these proud boys, this proud boy organization, yeah, but Christian I evangelicals. Grew, I grew up in the South. Yes, in the church, mm-hmm. where in the church where it is anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. In the black church is anti-abortion. In mm-hmm. the whites, and I went to white churches too. Is anti-abortion. I don't think the underlying, like clandestine theory or strategy is to keep their numbers up like i think they really believe they really they really believe that you shouldn't have an abortion because it's against god's law so this is my argument to that i hear what you're saying on a church by church basis but when it comes into politics and policy This country was founded on the freedom of speech and the right to self-govern and freedom of religion. So if you're saying that there's a separation of church and state and you don't want the government telling you what you got got to do when it comes to your guns and you don't want the government telling you what to do when it comes to accepting gay marriage or whatever have you, then you shouldn't have the government telling women what to do with their bodies. Shouldn't. Shouldn't is the key. Shouldn't is the key. But that doesn't make it necessarily so. All of us are walking contradictions and paradoxes in some form or fashion. And they, theirs are very loud in yeah, that respect. Yeah, but it, it seems but that, to always, always resonate the loudest when it comes to how to manage, manipulate, and control a woman's body. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree with that. And so for uh, me. Uh, or, or or when it comes to homosexuality, too. Yes. That's, that's, that's loud as well. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to this Christian evangelical alt-right movement, to me, when you listen to this podcast. But, but, you, but all of those things are not necessarily connected, right? Christian evangelical alt-right, those things are ne- are not necessarily one. In many cases, in some cases they, they, they are. are yes. in some, I wouldn't even say in many, but in some cases they are. The, phil- but the, the but, philosophies are. But I'm saying, I'm saying there's Christian. Close. There's Christian. Yes. And there's evangelical yes. and there's alt-right. And there's there's Christian evangelical and there's evangelical oh well Christian, if you're evangelical, then you're you're Christian. But the just because you're all right doesn't necessarily mean you're Christian and evangelical. And just because you're Christian evangelical doesn't necessarily mean you're all yeah, right. Yeah, I do think there is some overlap. And I do think that from a political standpoint, when you see all of these white men white men who are in politics telling us that women shouldn't be allowed to have an abortion i don't think it's their christian upbringing more so than it is a power move to control and keep women at home and subservient right but that's different than trying to keep the numbers up i think it's also probably trying to keep the numbers up I think so. Well, you. Cause, but, I mean, because why else would you say, "Well, I'm anti-abortion," but what, I, but what I'm saying, but then you is, don't want to fund that, child care, like you, you know what I'm but saying? But do you know? Do you know how many? Like, there are many a Negro, yeah, in the South, Christians that are like abortion, no, homosexuality, no. I know they really go hard against homosexuality. It's so sad. It is so sad. <laughs> then they look at them quiet. It's so sad. I know, and all them choir directors <laughs> be like, "Okay, he never had a girlfriend, but he's fine." Yeah, I don't know. I think I mean I don't I don't disagree with the with the notion that like groups like like that are in the alt right, like these proud boys that you just talking about, I don't I don't necessarily disagree that their behind their strategy is like we need to keep our numbers up, we need to we need in terms of procreation, we need to outgrow everybody else so we could continue to reign supreme or get back get back in a position where we once were like Absolutely. I agree with that. But I don't necessarily think all Christian evangelicals think like that. I think most Christian evangelicals about um, be prosper and multiply. Is how you say it? Prosper, be prosper and multiply. Is that, you know what I'm talking about? Be fruitful and multiply. Um, Yeah, I think they do that. I mean, you look at the Duggars, they got 20 damn kids. 
you know, you have like this. I'm talking about this community of Christians who are homeschooling, who are all about the woman's place, the woman's place, the woman's place is in the home. The man is supposed to be to provide and to protect and this and this and that. And yeah, they, they want to, they want to keep their numbers up. I firmly believe that. All right. So when it comes to the black community and you talk about what we can do in the Trump America, would you agree that that's something that we should consider too, keeping our numbers up? Uh, sure, but not, not, not at the, not sacrificing quality though. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, don't want to say forsake quality for quantity. Like, we got a whole bunch of black folk, black kids running around here, but we don't, we not rearing them in the way that they should be reared in order to facilitate intellectual spiritual and emotional growth like that ain't gonna get it done how are you gonna raise your kids uh religion let's go down the line religion how are you raising your kids um we 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 probably go to church like it would the 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 motivation to go to church would probably come from <laughs> their parent their mother <laughs> i mean but like but you aren't, aren't both of your parents ministers uh no, my father is but my mother is is heavily in the church. My my family is, um, and I I completely have the utmost respect for the way that I was brought up because it gave me a foundation from which I could use and refer to once I departed on my journey of critical thinking. Right, so I wasn't just out in the wind from the beginning. So mm-hmm. I'd like to provide some sort of spiritual foundation for my children to the extent to that when they get older, they can make decisions on their own, but at least they have, you know, some reference point. You don't believe in Jesus. I believe in, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus was here. We talked about this. You said you don't believe in Jesus. No, I believe that Jesus existed. So what is it that you don't believe about Jesus? That he's my Lord and savior. So what, what? So what's the difference? I believe that you are are here. Uh Uh-huh. But I don't believe that you're my Lord and Savior. So why don't you believe he's your Lord and Savior? And I'm not for or against this. I just I'm just want to know your 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 thought process on this. I don't. Um, that's a whole, that's a longer conversation. No, this is we have time. No, we don't. We have do time. have time. No, we don't. How you going? You just try to man me. You just gave me a man cut. No, throat. I'm just trying to tell you I don't want to talk about it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> but you didn't get the hint. <laughs> Can you give a moment that you had this realization? Like what hap- what was happening in your life where you came to the conclusion being a preacher's kid that maybe Well, I wasn't I wasn't a preacher's kid. Okay. I didn't my father didn't become a pastor until I was in college. So I didn't oh, grow okay. up a PK. But I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um and it was just a matter of like critical thinking. Like it just, you know, I read the Bible, I understood the things that I was brought up to believe and I wanted to expand my knowledge base. So I started reading other books um, in history and philosophy and just putting them side by side and and through just critical analysis, it just didn't add up to me. Mm-hmm. It was It was difficult though. It was difficult because I really... I really respect my parents and the way that they reared me. And so when I first started to question some of these things I was brought up to believe, I felt as if I was being disrespectful. Mm, I like, and so you did you felt the need to bring it up in conversation or like if it came up, you would just explain your viewpoint? What, with my parents? Yeah. No, I, did, I, wouldn't, I, when I, I wouldn't discuss it at all. Okay. But then, but then um, it got to the point to where, you know, some of the things – I had questions about I wanted to ask my father about because he's a very learned man. And so I asked, you know, I asked him about people who don't believe Jesus is their Lord and Savior and like or like and and faith and all of this. And and he was like, son, if you believe what you believe, because we told you to believe it is not true belief. Mm -hmm. And he said to me something that was very important. He was like, the God I believe in can handle any questions that you have 
if they're asked in the right spirit, in the spirit of growth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and openness to understanding. Openness to understanding. Because a lot of people will engage in this sort of... Uh, accusatory. Ac- Is that a word? Accusatory. Yeah, that's yeah. a word. Accusatory and rebellious. Like, prove in, it to me. Yeah, rebellious interrogation. No, prove it to me, but then, like, this rebellious interrogation that's rooted in... Um, Cynicism. Can I finish my own sentences? Because <laughs> the problem is you will finish them and you wrong. So then I got to go back and start over. I love it. If you if you would finish and be right, then it would be smooth. You Okay, fine. You what? I'm listening. And you trying to man me. <laughs> we even now. Well, what was I saying? Try being angry in their questions, like the intent of their questions. Oh yeah, the the spirit of their like interrogation of Christianity and their beliefs would be rooted in like some bad experience that they had in mm-hmm. church, because you know church folk can be some some of the most ruthless people and backstabbing folks, you know. And so you may you put a lot of your faith in this institution that's run by man, and then you something happens and it shakes that and then you get spiteful and then you go off and you like well this don't make no sense well why you believe this why you believe that and it's not rooted in a genuine and authentic desire to grow and to learn you just trying to you just being spiteful because you you felt like you've been hurt by the people in the church yeah when you never should have put your faith in the people in the first place you put your faith in in god I know, especially like when I see, oh, can I talk now? Um, So like when I see people talking about their pastors and, you know, pictures of church or whatever little sermon it is, and I be like, this man is a plumber. Like you put in all of this wisdom, you thinking this man has all his wisdom. He just read the same book you read. Everybody's not anointed with the, you know, blood of Jesus to stand <laughs> right, in the pulpit. Right, like right. this is a man who's like, he's a, he's still a man, you know? Right, and right. like, I have a, um, I had an experience. I went to a French church and like, they called the, um, the past apostle. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. Oh yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I, I like know, that. I know, I know a many apostles. And I'm like, come, come on now. That's like me calling myself a Supreme. Cause I sing a ditty once. Uh, perhaps. Yeah, I mean that's a big, I mean, like, that's a I, lofty label, is what like, I'm saying. I, like that culture is woven into the fabric of who I am as a human being. So like, like, like I understand when, like, when people do that. Like human beings, we all have a a, a desire to to feel significant, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, as as comedians, we get on stage. We seek immediate validation through laughter from the audience, and it makes us feel good, right? Yeah, you know. And you go to you go to a church, and you volunteer for the dance ministry, or you become a usher, and you you or you become a deacon, and you become a a mother in the church. All of this stuff makes one feel significant, as if you're a part of something. And so, some of these titles that that people assume or or have been given to them is like a token of significance you know whether right or wrong but people embrace it and and it, and and i'm not one to say that a a plumber can't help me spiritually you know what i'm saying i agree because jesus was a carpenter yeah however i feel like when you are put when you put your praise on that man absolutely yeah and 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 lift him up as though he isn't yeah you know no you a conduit or or just a a, of you know a translator or interpreter of the word as if he's the gifted one then i think as if he's the gifted one and you're and you have no gift no gift right yeah like, cause yeah, the critical thinking filter is absolutely necessary in every circumstance. Where you in the church, you at the grocery store, and somebody rings something up, and you like, wait a minute, I didn't exactly look at the price of these bananas, but I know mm-hmm. that these joints ain't no seven dollars unless you at Whole Foods in mm-hmm. Williamsburg. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I know it's sad. But do you believe in manifestation? Manifest destiny. What like in the in the Andrew Jackson sense, <laughs> 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 well, 
where we where we just gonna take over the the rest of the oh yeah the the country. No, I mean like in your own personal experience of being like this is you know you're talking about how to survive in Trump's America. How do you use your law of attraction or your you know abilities to generate? Yeah, I mean I believe in it to a certain extent. I mean it's only. I just it's. It's a, it's an old shirt. I'm gonna make it into a cover. So I was just testing it out. Ladies and gentlemen in the audience, I thought I just pulled a pair of drawers off <laughs> Chloe's sofa. It's a red plaid shirt that I don't wear anymore, and I'm gonna turn it into a pillowcase because I'm crafty. But as of right now, she just has it wrapped around the pillowcase. I it's guess cute though, right? She's trying to manifest that. <laughs> I have a sewing machine. I'm very crafty. This winter, I'm gonna be. Making oh, you got a, a sewing machine? Shit. I got some jeans that need to be mended. No, can you hook uh, 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 a brother up? No. Mm. No. I what only, was your question? I only craft for niggas I'm fucking. Sorry. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm neither one of them, a nigga Ex- or somebody that you fuck. Exactly. You can't be giving man domestic experiences like that. That's You got to earn that. But you my sister. Oh, now we sisters? No, I'm your brother. <laughs> <laughs> I got to save up my domestic stuff for, you know. I respect that. Don't you don't you agree? Just say I respect that. I don't mean you agree. <laughs> um Manifest. Yeah, do you believe in manifestation? Uh yeah, I just think it it just makes sense to. It you know, this because if I if if I wanted if I want something, then I do my best to get it because I don't know what happens if I do try, but I for sure know what happens if I don't. Yeah. You know, so. That, which goes back to your post. Yeah. So the thing is, like, we all make sacrifices for the unknown, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you talk about, do I believe in manifestation? I think it's easy to say, I, I decided to work for something. It manifested itself and it was successful. So it was meant to be. But then if I put in the same effort and it didn't happen to say that it wasn't meant to be like though that that doesn't make any sense to mm-hmm. me like that doesn't that has no value like i just if i want to do something i put forth the effort to do it and if it happens it happens mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen i make an adjustment you make an adjustment and you yeah. learn from what absolutely. your shortcomings were absolutely but when when people say um yeah, this you know, this was supposed to happen this way. Mm. Like I don't. What does that mean? Like that just that we just say those things to help us understand things that are pretty much like. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> what's this dog's name? Uh, the dog's name is Winnie. It's a girl. Her name is Winnie. And Why you say best. it? You said what's what what's its name? I said, I said what's this dog's name? Oh. I didn't say what's his name. I thought you said it. Alzo, it's time to end this podcast. See, I told you we didn't have enough time. It's an hour. It's been an hour. Give me a second. I have to reply to this guy on Bumble. Wait, can I see him? Yeah, you can see him. Hold on. What are you saying to him? He wants to meet for drinks tonight, and he asks where would I like to meet. You should tell him that you're going to bring your brother along. Why would I do that? So I can put him to the test. Do I test your hoes? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. The, your black hoes. queens? Do I test your black queens? Whoa. As long as I've known you, I have never vetted any of your women. Well, why has it got to be tit for tat? Because this is an equal friendship. That's, I'm I'm the big brother in this situation. Um, You are older than me. Much, yes. much, much, much older than me. I am the big brother, which gives me license. Where y'all going? I could just sit in, on a, in a, at a table in the corner. No, it's way too obvious. What? That um That you will be there with me. What? Why? Where y'all going to? No, I just I told him um a little bar up up the street. You can drop me off though if you wait for me to get dressed. No. Alzo Slade, what makes you a social misfit? I am not a social misfit. <sighs> That's your story. <laughs> you sticking with it? You gonna sit here, act like I don't know who you are, and say that you are not a social misfit. You are a forty-something-year-old black man with no kids, okay? Self-employed, right? Educated, had multiple careers, 
the most eligible bachelor in Brooklyn. That is not. Stop saying that. You are the most eligible bachelor in no, Brooklyn. No, I don't like the way that sounds. Why not? I don't know, but it don't sound good. That's how I was introduced to you when I when I because you know I did recon when I first met you. I was like, who is this guy named Alzo? I'd never met him before, and I asked about you, and they were like, oh, he's the most eligible bachelor in Brooklyn. Oh, stop saying it. Why are you taping me? <laughs> I got to get this on video. You don't believe that you're the most eligible bachelor in Brooklyn? No. I don't. You know why you are, well, you are eligible, right? And you are a bachelor. The reason why is because- Are you, you still taping me? I'm taping myself talking to you. Well, who is on the camera? You. Well, why is the camera on me? Because I'm going to post it. I'm trying to expand my social media reach. <laughs> so I'm giving them a behind I ain't BTS. Scenario release. BTS behind the scenes. Um, If you want to see how uncomfortable Alzo is, you can look for this clip. I'll post it on my Instagram when I drop this episode. I'm uncomfortable because your dog is farting. <laughs> you smell him? <laughs> <laughs> you smell my dog, right? She's like, what you talking about? Me? She is farting. Um, okay. Is that you the have end? a no. You have a mystique about you. This is what makes you a misfit. <laughs> <laughs> you have a mystique. People like what they don't know. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I don't think they like what they don't know. They're intrigued. I, they're intrigued. Yes, they're yes. curious about what they don't know. So that makes you a misfit. All right. Well, you. Why did you? Why did you ask me the question you already know the answer to? Fine, I'll take it back. You you say, okay, I'm going to ask you again. Alza Slate, what makes you a social misfit? I'm not a social misfit. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of <laughs> Social Misfit. Alza, where can people find you? Wherever Chloe and this Bumble dude is about to be tonight. <laughs> That's where you can find me. What's your in a corner. What's your social spying. media handle? What's your handles? My social media is Alzo Slade, A-L-Z-O-S-L-A-D-E. And he has his name on his shirt right now, by the way. Um, My hoodie. Alzo Slade, thank you for sitting on the couch with Winnie and I. Um, And thank you guys for listening. It's been another episode. When is this going to be? When I motherfucking do it and put it out. Oh, we could do we'll release this joint twenty eighteen because I ain't gonna be no eligible bachelor then. Oh, you, oh, you got somebody? Ooh. You proposing? Ooh. You proposing to somebody? No, no. Oh, we got a world star exclusive, exclusive, <laughs> exclusive, exclusive. Let me give no shout out to world star. I know they're trash. Let me get them. <laughs> Shut up. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Have a good night. Be safe. Share, like, comment, all that jazz. Bye.